Welcome to the podcast of Imago Day Community, where we are convicted to help bring the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Uh, amen. <laughs> that was amazing. Michelle and the choir, incredible. So good, yeah. Well, you guys are in a treat, in for a treat this morning. Um, first service was incredible. We are privileged to have with us Pete Gregg, founder of 24-7 Prayer Movement. Uh, if you don't know about that, it's just a movement that internationally has birthed prayer houses all over the world that uh, 24-7 prayer is happening in. And anytime you have that, you have amazing things in that wake. Because God is present and in the midst of his people praying. And so uh, we're going to hear a little bit about that this morning. Pete is a writer. He's an author. He's got a book, Red Moon Rising, which if you want to know more about the 24-7 prayer movement, that is the book to read. It's incredible, influential in my life. Read also God on Mute. Uh, it's just a really, really good prayer about getting in, uh, book about prayer. Um, got a wife, Sammy, two kids, Hudson and Danny. They live in Guildford, Guildford England. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so, where he is a, a church planter, pastor of a church there at Emmaus Road. Amazing to have him with us. You guys are in for a treat. The guy's a wild man. He loves art and galleries and live music, and he probably eats locusts and honey and wears animal skins like John the Baptist. I don't know. This guy's amazing. We are pri privileged to have him. Welcome with me, Pete Gregg. Thanks, man. It is so nice to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. The choir, oh my goodness. Is it like that every week? Ah, amazing. Uh, yeah, my name, as you've heard, is Pete Gregg. I'm married to Sam, uh, who's a girl. And um, uh, I've checked. And uh, just to prove the point, we have uh, two sons. As you heard, Hudson and Danny. I'm so excited to be here in Portland because um, I've wanted to come here for a long time. And uh, you're as cool as they, they, they said you were. So uh, I don't know if like Portland's just my kind of place or I'm Portland's kind of person, but uh, you're kind of scruffy and that makes me feel at home. You've got a lot of rain, that definitely makes me feel at home. You've got good coffee, that makes me happy. So uh, it's just a joy to be with you uh, here today. And um, I, I, my disclaimer is, yes, I have what you call an accent. Of course, the reality is you have accents. I don't have an accent. I speak normally. And um, Americans get weird with accents. Um, there seem to be different responses. Some people think that if you have an English accent, you know what you're talking about. I'm afraid this is not true at all. <laughs> um, Americans often are very friendly and kind and nice and say, oh, I love your accent. Um, but I don't believe that that is the truth because I watch Disney movies. And uh, every time you need a, a voice for an evil character, <laughs> you use my accent. Simba, what have you become, you know? <laughs> so I, I'm not uh, particularly evil, uh, and I'm not particularly clever, but I am uh, thrilled to be with you. I first met your pastor, Rick McKinley, I think 12 years ago down in Ventura, California. It's been wonderful to see uh, what God has done with this community. 
the way he's blessed you. One of the joys of coming in from outside is you can maybe bring a little bit of objectivity. And what I want to say to you as someone coming in, looking in from outside, is this is a great church. That doesn't mean it's perfect. There is no perfect church. Uh, but this is a great church. If you don't normally come to church and this is like your first time here, well done on getting out of bed. Thanks for coming. Um, and and the, these people are good. Okay, and, and this is a good place. But if you've been journeying with Imago Dei for a while, let's just remind ourselves of how extraordinary it is that Rick and Jeannie came here on mission in the year 2000. And from that mission, there is now this church within a relatively short period of time of uh, thousands of people. Uh, mission is deep within your DNA. You're planting churches, you're baptizing people at Easter, you're preaching the gospel. And that would be remarkable anywhere in the Western world. But here in Portland, Oregon, it is especially remarkable. And so it may not always be easy, but God is with you guys. And, and, and I've learned, having been pastoring for 20 years, I've learned this, that God does not like genetically modifying his crops. You know, if a church is continually living at the same pitch of fruitfulness and results, it is not a healthy church. It is a church that is about to blow up and poison people. And so you go through seasons of winter and seasons of resting and seasons even of struggling. But then there are also those great seasons of joy and harvest in breaking. And uh, we journey together through the good times and the bad times as real family. And uh, you are a great church. You're part of a great story. And I just wanted to come in from outside and say that. And Rick hasn't asked me to say that. Uh, but there you go. Um, I've been asked to speak today uh, on the subject of prayer. And um, I, I, I want to speak, uh, therefore, particularly about prayer in the dark places. Uh, that's partly because, as you're going to hear, it's part of my own struggle, my own story. It's partly because we're in Lent. 26 days today will be Good Friday. Uh, and so we're going to focus on Christ's great uh, Gethsemane prayer. And it's partly because things aren't always easy for churches and for individuals. We often have difficult times. And so this is relevant for all of us. We're going to look at really uh, one of the most remarkable prayers in the Bible. It's 21 words uh, long. And yet it is loaded with significance. This is Jesus. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's preparing uh, for his own crucifixion. He's taken his three best friends and said, would you please stay awake and pray with me? And those three best friends keep falling asleep. If anyone here ever feels like they're bad at prayer, take comfort from the fact that Jesus' three best friends, when he needed them most, kept falling asleep. Can anyone here relate to that? Okay. Well, listen, Jesus still used those three to build the church, so you're okay. And um, it, this is incredible. We have an eyewitness account. This is Mark's gospel. That means it's coming from the Apostle Peter who actually overheard this prayer. And it was like tattooed on his soul. He just, he got so deep into him, he could never lose these words. And then he dictated it to Mark who wrote it down in his, his, his gospel for us. And um, we read that Jesus is overwhelmed with sorrow. 
He is overwhelmed with sorrow. Some of you know how that feels. For sorrow to not just be something within you, but something that feels like it's, it's going to crush your very soul. Just if at any time in your life you've had that experience of being overwhelmed with sorrow. Okay, this isn't everyone. I hope it's not everyone. But I'm not going to ask you for details, but I'd love you just to indicate that. And I just raise your hand if you know, yes, I, I have felt that, what it's like to be overwhelmed with sorrow. Okay, it's most people here. For those who didn't put their hands up, hallelujah, don't go pursuing suffering. It will come to you. I'm really sorry. You need to pursue joy. Some Christians think their job is to pursue suffering. Wrong. Your job is to pursue joy, have as much fun uh, as you possibly can in life because the suffering's inevitable, the joy isn't, okay? So your spiritual discipline is to discipline yourself towards joy. Uh, but we, we know what it's like to be overwhelmed with sorrow. And so Jesus gets there in the garden and he prays these words. Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Abba, Father. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. There are some precious keys in these 21 words that can help each one of us to pray, particularly uh, when we feel overwhelmed with uh, sorrow. First of all, in this state of soul and mind, Jesus militantly and deliberately addresses God as Abba, Father. That might sound obvious, but you know that when you suffer, one of the primary temptations is to doubt the love of God. You just don't care about me. And in that context, we must remind ourselves that Jesus, when he is overwhelmed with sorrow, says, Abba, Father. And as you know, Abba is the Aramaic language, the language Jesus spoke for the Father. Daddy, it means. It is deeply intimate. Andrew Murray who's a great South African uh, writer and thinker and pastor, said, the power of prayer depends almost entirely upon our appreciation of who it is with whom we speak. You must understand who God is. And the first thing you need to understand is he is with you and for you and he loves you. One day the clouds will part and you will see God and lo, he will be smiling. He likes you, he loves you, he is for you, he is with you. He makes all things turn to good if you keep loving him back. This is your father in heaven. Don't doubt his love when you feel overwhelmed with sorrow. My own uh, story is that, um, you know, I, I was uh, pastoring a church. We just planted our second church and um, things were going really well outwardly, but we knew we were shallow spiritually. We were high on program, high on activity, but we were just really uh, shallow in our own prayer lives. And we realized that prayer is the key to everything else in the Christian life. This isn't just something on the side. This is the essence. One day there'll be no more evangelism to do. There'll be no more social justice to fight for. There'll be no more of that stuff. There'll be you and God and he'll look you in the eyes and, say, do, and he will say to you, did we know each other? 
And on that day, many will say, look at all the stuff I did. And he said, I'm not interested. Did we know each other? Every single one of us one day will step into the split second beyond the flat line. And at that moment, all that will matter will be whether you know God. And the way you know God is you walk with him and you talk with him through the good times and the bad times. You realize that he is your father in heaven and he does love you and you seek to love him back. This is the conversation at the heart of your very identity and purpose as a human being. Don't you for one second imagine that prayer is just some sideline activity. So we realized prayer is kind of important and we're really bad at it. Our church prayer meeting was getting like three old ladies and a goat at the time, you know. And the goat just wasn't committed. Uh, and, and, and we thought we have got to address this. So we started a prayer room because we're bad at prayer. And the amazing thing was as we began to seek God night and day, he came amongst us in power. Angels appeared, not just once, several times. Seen not just by Christians, but by people who weren't Christians. A little girl was healed of leukemia. People began to graffiti their prayers over the walls and the ceiling. Uh, they were just extraordinary experiences of his presence. And then God sneezed in our prayer room and the thing went viral and began to spread all around the world. And we're now in over 100 countries. We've been praying nonstop for 15 years. We're engaged with mission and justice. We're planting communities. Uh, we're caring for those who are broken and poor. Uh, prostitutes in Mexico and, and, and uh, uh, Romani community in Macedonia. And it's all around the world because prayer gives birth to mission and justice. So it's been a wild story, a crazy story. We just celebrated our 15th birthday in St. Stephen's Cathedral in, uh, in Vienna. And we had personal greetings from the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Pope. And I'm standing there thinking, how did we get in 15 years from just a bunch of people trying to pray to this moment? And the answer is, we just said yes to God and we began to talk to him and walk with him. And uh, so it's been an amazing ride. But before you get too impressed, let me tell you this, that a year into this, when our second child had just been born, and he was seven weeks old. My wife had an epileptic fit and she um, was rushed into hospital. She'd never had a seizure before. And they found a, a brain tumor the size of an orange in her skull. The brain surgeon later said he'd never seen so much pressure in someone's skull before. And um, they managed to get the tumor out. It's not growing back. But we've begun this hellish battle with epilepsy for years and years and years. And I cannot tell you how many times I've sat with my wife watching her slip into an epileptic fit, praying for God to make it stop, and it hasn't worked. And in the midst of all of the questions around that, I've needed God and I have known God like I've never needed him and known him before. And so I find myself in this paradox of not being able to deny all the good stuff God does do, all the miracles that have happened and continue to happen on one hand, but also not being able to deny the struggles and the challenges. Listen, the word Israel literally means the struggle. You have been baptized into a faith that is defined as struggle. It is not happy, clappy, nice and easy. It is wrestling with reality and even with God himself. Between half and two-thirds of the book of Psalms are not happy-clappy, but are laments. They should not be set 
to soft rock anthems, but to screaming blues guitars. Where are you, God? Why is this happening? And so we live with this paradox. And into that context, we realize, we remember that God is Abba Father. He loves us. Um, So I found myself as primary carer for our two kids, suddenly. 24-7 was blowing up around the world. I was being invited to travel all over the world, speak at all these massive conferences, and I had to stay home and change diapers. And I'm so grateful to God for that. Because actually, no one on their deathbed thinks I wish I'd spoken at another Christian conference. (laughs) 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 But it it wasn't easy, you know. Looking after a baby is not easy. A baby who was waking every two hours, it's not easy, you know. And then on top of that, my wife's in and out of hospital and we didn't have any money. And at times, my soul was certainly overwhelmed. And then on top of it all, Danny goes and gets chicken pox, you know. And he's got little pink spots, scratchy, itchy spots all over his body, you know, over his legs, his eyelids, in his nose, on his, everywhere. (laughs) Do you have those here? And, uh, you know, they they, they said uh, you should put, there's a thing called calamine lotion. You should put calamine lotion on. This, it makes no difference at all, people. I don't know if it's on sale in America, don't buy it. It just makes your child look like they have leprosy on, on top of everything else. And, You know, and and I couldn't explain to Danny, this isn't what being human feels like. You know, you're not going to feel itchy and miserable the rest of your life. It will. I couldn't explain it. He's a baby. In fact, people came and said, "Oh, it's very good. He's got chickenpox. He'll have immunity in later life." How am I going to explain the concept of immunity? Oh, it's wonderful. You feel like this, son. He's a baby. He can't even talk. So all I could do as his dad was grab him in my arms and pace up and down the landing of our house, trying to rock him to sleep as he screamed and felt miserable. And all he could do feeling so miserable was allow himself to be loved. Listen, there are times in your life when you will be suffering like hell Your soul will be overwhelmed as was Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane and you will not be able to make sense of it. You will not be able to understand why you are having to go through this and you will even wonder whether you will always feel like this or may never get through it. You will not be able to see any possible purpose or goodness in the suffering you are enduring because your brain is smaller than a soccer ball and God is the God of the galaxies and the universe. But you can, in those times, allow your Father in heaven to pick you up in his arms and to hold you, and you can rest in his love. When you are tempted to doubt the love of God when you suffer, do not, because that is your source of greatest hope for the future. You understand? See, confession time. I don't find Christianity easy, okay? I'm I'm a doubting Thomas. I'm always asking questions. And one time I said to my wife, as she'd been rushed into hospital, she woke up in the morning in hospital after a particularly bad seizure. I said, maybe there isn't a God. Is it okay for a pastor to admit they sometimes think this? Maybe, like, like we're crying out to God. The Bible even talks about Jesus healing someone of epilepsy and it's just not working. 
And don't you tell me there's some higher purpose. How can there be any higher purpose than you having one more seizure? And my wife said this to me. She said, you don't get it at all. (laughs) Getting rid of God right now isn't going to help. If I get rid of God right now, let me tell you where that leaves me, Pete. It leaves me in a godless universe as a highly evolved animal on a rock spinning out of control in space. In fact, not only does my life become meaningless, but my very suffering becomes utterly meaningless. In fact, in a Darwinian universe, those who are weak need to die out of the genetic genetic pool so I should just get on and roll over. Thanks so much for offering me that possibility this morning. She said, no matter how difficult it is to hold on to the love of the Father right now and the reality of God, because I just don't understand, as long as I keep hold of Him, there is hope and there is comfort. Whatever you are going through today, no matter how hard you find being a Christian sometime, understand that as long as you walk with God and talk with God, there is hope and there is comfort for your life. Amen. So, prayer tip number one, okay? When you're going through hard times, just keep it simple. <laughs> That's all I just told you. Just, just, just believe the stuff, you know. Okay, you love me. Doesn't look like it right now, but I'm going to trust. Keep it simple. Secondly, Jesus goes on. He says, everything is possible for you. Everything is possible. So he's focused on the love the intimacy, the kindness of the Father. But then he focuses on the transcendence, the sovereignty, the greatness of God, the God who can do anything. If the first temptation when we suffer is to question the love of God, the second temptation you will hit is to question the power of God. Well, maybe you're a good guy and you like me a lot, but you just can't handle this one. I'm going to downgrade my expectations in prayer, my expectations of you. You can kind of be my friend, but God, I mean, you know, you're kind of more powerful than anyone else. I give you that, you're God, but there's clearly a limit. Jesus doesn't do that. He acknowledges the greatness of God. There is an old Hebrew saying, God is not a kindly old uncle. He is an earthquake. I like that. And you understand it's good news that God is powerful. Because there are situations that a kindly old uncle can only smile at. But an earthquake can shift. We just heard the choir singing, You are the source of my strength. You are the strength of my life. I lift my hands in total grace to you, amen. God is powerful. He can make a difference in our suffering. There's power in prayer, and it isn't just a religious therapy that somehow changes me. Prayer has the power to change the world. It's become cool in certain Christian circles to say, well, really the power of prayer is it just changes me. That is unbiblical. It is not Christian. 
Prayer not only changes you, it changes the world. In the words of the British soul group Hot Chocolate, I believe in miracles. <laughs> Unhelpfully, they continue, since you came along, you sexy thing. <laughs> we are born into a miraculous faith in which God answers prayer and demonstrates his power repeatedly when we ask him. Jesus says, ask me of anything in my name and I will do it. John 14, verse 14. And so I tell you one of the things that means is that sometimes in prayer we just have to keep asking. Jesus told parables explicitly to say, don't give up, persevere in prayer. It's like stacking dominoes. You know, you put the same domino up again and again and again and then one day you flick one domino and the whole lot comes down like a great hissing anaconda, you know? It wasn't that you suddenly found the key to breakthrough. It was just that you didn't give up praying one prayer too soon. And if you're kind of standing on one leg, uh, eating jello, when you pray the prayer that brings the breakthrough. The trouble, uh, if I can say this with respect in America, is someone will then write a book about how standing on one leg, eating jello is the key to all kinds of spiritual breakthroughs. And they will then do a series of conferences. And people are so broken and so hurting, they will flock to those conferences. They'll become a New York Times bestseller. And before you know it, within 200 years, there'll be a denomination that gathers on a Sunday to stand on a left leg eating jello as they pray. And in heaven, God will be there. The Father will say to the Son, why do they do that? And the son will say, it's the Holy Spirit's fault. <laughs> we were trying to answer the prayer when there was absolutely nothing nor unusual going on. And he went and answered the prayer when he was eating jello, standing on his left leg. And now we have a whole new denomination. Stop looking for the key that will bring the breakthrough. The mathematical formula, God is not a slot machine. Just Trust that he is our Father, that everything is possible for him, and keep stacking dominoes. Keep asking for breakthrough. Keep it simple. Keep it up. Next, Jesus prays the most remarkable, I think the most remarkable line here. Jesus says, take this cup from me. This is incredible. Jesus the guy who came to die for our sins, Jesus on the cross is here praying, I don't want to do the whole cross thing. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I'm playing my ace card. I, I want plan B. Listen, if Jesus can be that honest with the Father when he was overwhelmed with sorrow, you can be honest with the Father about your own struggles, your own questions. You don't always have to pray like a Christian. Just pray. Pray like a human. That'll do. And so sometimes when we get the terminal diagnosis or where our accountant finally tells us that our business is about to go bankrupt or he finally walks out the door not to come back, sometimes at that moment our simplest prayer is this, God, make it go away. God, get me out of here. And the thing I've learned is we always want God to airlift us out of our problems and more often he parachutes in and joins us in the middle of them. 
I don't know why. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. He doesn't, most of the time, airlift us out of the valley of the shadow of death. He walks it with us. We know Abba Father, for whom everything is possible in the midst of our struggles. And I want to just show you how incredible this line of this prayer is. Because interestingly, when Jesus prays this 21-word prayer, he's actually praying his own prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. Okay, so there on the screens you have the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now let's just lay this 21-word prayer in Gethsemane over the top. Instead of Our Father, he says Abba Father. Instead of in heaven, hallowed be your name, he says everything is possible for you. Instead of your will be done, he says, yet not my will but yours. But at the line where he is supposed to pray, your kingdom come, instead he prays the exact opposite and he says, take this cup from me. Your kingdom may be this cup, but I don't want it. I want another way. Jesus is violating his own prayer at this moment. It is him at his most human, his most like us. Rick spoke last week and said one of the challenges when we suffer is we can get isolated in our suffering. We're called when we suffer to be utterly honest with God about how we're really feeling and to be utterly honest with the community of faith as well. Too often the church is less honest about suffering than the Bible is. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. I flew all this way to tell you something as simple as that. And then Jesus finally says the most extraordinary thing. Even though he is sweating blood with the effort, he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. Remember that the fall came when in another garden, another Adam and Eve, said to God, not what you will, but what I will, and they ate the fruit. And with that, the potential for absence of God's presence came into the world, and into that vacuum, every sin and sickness and suffering was suddenly created, was drawn in, became possible. Things that are not possible in the full presence of God. And then Jesus comes, and with unbelievable effort, he prays the opposite, not what I will, but what you will. And with these words, he reverses the curse. He begins the process of the cross. His presence comes even into hell. And so there is the prayer ultimately of relinquishment, of trust, of surrender. I want to show you a, a photograph. I, I don't know if we got this photograph. This is from a, you know, we have 24-7 prayer rooms all around the world going all the time. And this is a very undramatic looking one. It's not a great photograph. But someone sent it to me recently. It blew me away because with it came the message. This is, this, this is people praying in Syria right now in a particular city. And they said, ISIS have just moved into our neighborhood and are killing the Christians. And suddenly you see our brothers and sisters in Christ there praying 
together. They traveled to that prayer tent under sniper fire. They risked their lives to go to the prayer room. There were missiles going off as they're praying, but they're seeking God. Now, of course, their prayer is everything is possible for you. Make it stop. But even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, they are praying, let your will be done. Even if it should cost us our lives, even if it should cost us literally our heads being chopped from our shoulders, let your will be done. This is the spirit that took Christ to the cross, still manifest in his body to this day. So, final story. I, I, you, you're picked up by now. I just, tell, I just tell silly little stories to try and... I'm very simple in my thinking and I use simple stories to try and understand God. But, you know, when I was um, teaching one of our kids to ride a bicycle, I didn't really know how you're supposed to do it. And so he sat on this bicycle and I kind of put my arm around him and we... I ran and he cycled up and down the street and he was holding on to me for dear life. And, and the bike was like at a 45 degree angle. <laughs> and, and we'd be running along like this and I'd go, okay, son, now just let go of me. And he'd be like, are you crazy, old man? I'm going to hurt myself if I do that. And so we're going up and down the street and it's not going along, it's not going far, it's not going well. And then my, my friend came and said to me, you're doing it all wrong. And many of you here know what I was doing wrong. They said, what you need to do is you don't run alongside him, you run behind the bike. And you don't hold him, you hold the seat. So he can't feel your hand, he can't see you. And then when you feel like he's got the balance, you just take your hand off for a few seconds, right? And the moment he starts to wobble, you put your hand back on again. And gradually that way he learns to ride the bike. And so that's how I taught him. And I was reflecting on that and how in God's desire as a good father to teach us to become all that we're called to be, not just to ride bikes, but to do life well. There are times where he withdraws and we can't see him the way we once did and we can't feel his hand on our lives the way we once did and we may even think he's disappeared because he seems silent and absent. But in fact, he is gently teaching us the skills, the disciplines, the character of true trust and independence. And so his silence is not his absence, for he says to us, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And so if this morning you feel like God is a little silent or he's a little absent, I'm here to tell you he's with you and he's for you and he can make all things work together for good. Keep it simple. Don't give up on God's love if you are overwhelmed with sorrow. Don't doubt his power. He's with you. Keep it real. Don't get isolated. Be honest with him about how you're really feeling. Be vulnerable with your friends and with your God. Ask for prayer. 
And finally, just keep it up because everything is possible for him and he does do miracles. There is a battle that we are engaged with, so keep stacking dominoes. And we're going to respond to this message in just a moment in one of two ways. Firstly, you may want to come and ask for prayer in a particular area in which you need to know God's hope, comfort, or breakthrough. You're going to stack another domino today, and all you need to do is make your way down to the doors where there are people who will pray with you. And then for all of us, there is the opportunity to come to the table of the Lord And as we take the bread and wine, we are taking into our own bodies the brokenness and the suffering of Christ. Remembering that he understands what it is like to be overwhelmed with sorrow, to be pulled apart, to bleed, to weep, and even to die. But as we take his identification into our bodies... Remember that we are also taking his resurrection power into our bodies. Because as sure as he died, so surely did he rise. And his great unanswered prayer, take this cup from me and God says no, becomes the greatest answered prayer in all history. Your greatest despair can become your greatest triumph. With the very comfort that you receive, you will comfort others. And so even when we don't understand, we can trust that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Romans 8, 28. Even as we take the bread and the wine, we celebrate the promise of resurrection life, of healing, of breakthrough, of purpose, even in situations that seem pointless. And so come and receive prayer. Come to the table and respond to this message. Let's pray together, shall we? And I wonder if I can invite you, if there's a particular situation right now that you are in, where you're just longing to know the presence and the purpose and the power of God. Would you just open your hands on your knees, just open your hands to receive from God now. Abba, Father, thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. We trust you. Thank you that all things are possible for you. That you have overcome the grave. That prayer is powerful. That breakthroughs are on the way. Lord, we pray, take this cup from us. Lord, for those here who are afraid, those here who are sick or struggling or lonely or suffering, would you rescue them? And then we pray together, yet not what I will, but what you will. Even in the midst of these struggles, we recognize and we receive your loving presence and purpose. Amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at www.amargodaycommunity.com. Thanks a lot for listening.